The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePietro. All right, here we go. Welcome to lunchtime, folks. It's John DePietro. This portion of our program. It's time for Political Monday. Brought to you by Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Free estimates serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's Mega M-E-G-A, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. 24-hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brake stores. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. Mega M-E-G-A, Truck, Trick, and Trailer Repair. 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Folks, I want to remind you, uh, first of all, good afternoon to everybody tuning in on Facebook Live. If you have a Facebook page, find my page. It's John DePietro Show. We have a lot of stories up that you can comment on there. And then also, remember, visit the website, dePietro.com. Everyone is buzzing about it. We have a new post coming up very, very soon regarding the latest at uh, the situation with uh, both Governor Mundo and at the State House with Matty Yellow. But check it out. And then if you ever miss any portion of the program, just go to the website, dePietro.com. No eyes. D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Then you click on Podcasts. And that is every hour categorized right there. If you ever miss it, you go back and listen that way. Uh, you can contact me that way and a lot more. It is Political Monday. Let's bring him on. Uh, he is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It is Justin Katz. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon, John. Great to be with you. Justin, I want to start off that uh, in the past we have talked about that Governor Amundo with her, um, you know, unapologetic um, strive for national attention and national focus and i believe at different times it is it has hampered her ability to get things done because she always just seems focused on you know what what is going to be her next move what is going to be her next job and um and and i think you really saw it as soon as she came into office instead of focusing on the job she had a very robust political um uh, PR campaign in some ways always promoting her and she wanted to go to uh, Davos and, and uh, so forth. And then you have her getting part of um, the Hillary Clinton campaign back in 2016. She was out of state a lot, more than people realize, in New Hampshire, raising money and campaigning for Hillary Clinton. And then that led to a lot of problems. And then as soon as she was elected, reelected last November, 2018, excuse me, in 2018, she immediately, the real election was she became one of the co-chairs, the uh, head of the National Democrat Governor Association, which she served for a year. And then suddenly last week, uh, at the end of last week, we learned that she is once again going to get involved. And this time she is setting her sights on getting involved with this. Uh, she wants to be part of a pact where they want to raise money. And it all has to do with in um, in some of the battleground states, trying to raise money and and uh, help out the effort with uh, in the battleground states against President Trump in some of these key states. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, as you say, it's definitely a an indication of where her her heart is. It's national and, and trying to get in good with national groups and organizations. Uh, and it really does, I think, 
inevitably affect her job as governor. She had a, a line in the media regarding this. Uh, she, so she's one of six co-chairs for Organizing Together 2020. And when interviewed about it, she says what she'll do is she'll do whatever she's asked. And she says good organizing takes time. Well, you know, so does being governor. Being a governor takes a lot of time. And you wonder how focused can she be on being a governor if she's off running around the country campaigning against the president. I mean, and never mind never mind the Rhode Islanders whose governor she still is who are supporters of the president but she's out there campaigning the labor unions are very heavily involved in this left wing progressive pack uh, specifically groups like the SEIU the NEA National Education Association the American Federation of Teachers these are, these are unions that are very powerful and involved in Rhode Island and represent some of our employees in the state and of course at the local level and here's the governor allying with them for political cause against a national political figure i it, it, the whole thing just seems in a very strong way inappropriate uh especially given the amount of time one expects it to take from her you're exactly right i agree with you justin and not only that um when you're talking about organizing and field operations you know arizona Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin over the next six to eight weeks. Now, a couple things I, I look at is I, I think it's very just opportunistic. She is someone she doesn't deny. She even has not ruled out someday she would like to to make a national bid. So this is a way under the guise of she's just there to do some field organizing, but to, you know, network herself, make some bonds, get a feel for how those states are set up, make some contacts. But what I find distressing is when you're talking field operations, this is not you're going to be this. There's different roles of someone maybe in a campaign. And and maybe it is, you know, you agree to go on a conference call or, you know, the weekend. Let's just say right now, if she were in Iowa or something and you're going door to door or you're going to be a surrogate, maybe do a couple interviews, put your name on something, maybe try to raise money. But when you're talking about being field operations, that means you, you have to be out in the field in those states. And, you know, Arizona is not close. Florida, all right, well, that's somewhat close. But th- this is, to me, over the next eight weeks, which really takes you, right, February, uh, March, brings you to the spring. Instead of trying to use the new year and get the state intact, the, the field operation part she's talking about, if I understand this correctly, and I was asking someone about it, that, that requires the person to be in those states, boots on the ground. This is not like you're just doing a uh, surrogate conference call on behalf of someone for some media outlets, which she could do from her her office at the state house or from a campaign office. This is she's going to be in those states. Well, not only that, but the the organizing. I mean, that's that's a matter of looking at how things are being done, working with you know, helping an organization get off the ground and get moving. Uh, across many moving parts and you're not talking about as you say just doing a couple media interviews or maybe an appearance at some rally somewhere uh you know if she wants to go to florida maybe she should spend her time down there talking to ex-rhode islanders and asking them why they've left her state uh but this is just a as you say it's, it's not going to be a light lift 
if it's if it's at all what it sounds like, which is as I said, organizing. Organizing takes time. She said it herself, and that's not what the governor ought to be doing. Especially, I mean, you could see almost a senioritis, you know, at the fourth year, the the eighth year of her two terms. But this, I mean, she's just starting her her second term, and off she goes to campaign against the president. It just doesn't make much sense from a Rhode Islander's point of view. Yeah, and especially when you look at then the groups that are involved here. Uh, the group includes labor unions, as you said, service employees. How about NEA, National Education Association? Now, here you have NEA Rhode Island, but this is also American Federation of Teachers. That's uh, Providence and Warwick, Randy Weingarten. American Federation State County Municipal Employees, Planned Parenthood, uh, NAACP, Vote Vets, Color Change Pack. Justin, again, to me, this is Governor Amundo. This is really planting seeds, building bridges, making allies, and networking herself. I'll tell you, what, what's missing from that group of organizations is there's not one of those groups that is going to bring a new job into the state. As much as she talks about, you know, the CEO-type governor and she networks herself and everything else, let's be honest. She has, in my opinion, she has failed to recruit or lure any type of big type company that she talked about and she touted and that's her strength and everything else and the people that she's going to be spending all these time with the groups these labor union groups as we know they they are not going to provide one job this is not where you are hobnobbing with some different either tech companies or large companies who could say you know what maybe we will open up an office uh, some kind of division, something in Rhode Island. This is just cementing support of people with the Democrat political process for her to, at some point, she will tap into it for her political career. It is, there's, there's not one CEO in the bunch of this entire group. You make a good point. I mean, if, you, if, if this were some kind of organization where she was out there working with Apple or Google or something, there's a chance. You know, she could pitch Rhode Island or they'd think, oh, we worked well with her. Let's see what we can do in our state. But you're talking about labor unions that have locals and state offices in our state. And one expects it to go the other way. So rather than her getting favors from them for helping them at the, at the national level, you you kind of think if she's trying to endear herself to these groups, what is she doing for them in her capacity as governor in our state? And that's something that, that I mean, we've been observing for, for months, whether it's yeah, letting daycare, or daycare organizers, letting home care workers unionize with the SEIO. Uh, all those things start to really do indicate the same national push uh, that we see here. You know, it's almost like an emblematic of how she's been running her governorship. Yeah, no, it is. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Um, we're speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. A segment is Political Monday. And again, just to finish that out, I mean, I know in the past she has been on, she was with something with that Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook. And so she was on a tech panel out on the West Coast. Now, you know, people could say, why does she have to go there? Blah, blah, blah. She used it as a fundraising trip. But at least when you're at a panel like that and you have a lot of startups or high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, you certainly could make a pitch. Hey, listen, I know maybe you think about Cambridge, but we're about 50 miles south. We're far more affordable. We'll offer you this and that. And we have Brown and RISD and blah, blah, blah. But this is nothing. I mean, this is, you're on a panel with the people that Bob Walsh reports to and that, you know, Mirabeth Calabro report to. Speaking of education, um, last week, so the new Providence superintendent was announced. 
And I, I personally find that some of these packages from Dan McGowan of the Globe said that they were trying to lure some people. This guy agreed to take the job, this guy from Tampa, for 225 They couldn't get any people. There were some people they were targeting, and they were demanding they wanted 300000 a year in order to do it. But anyhow, the thing that stands out to me is so now you have this Infante Green, the new education commissioner, Justin Katz, and she had, now has her Providence superintendent. And it's, it's her guy, and Alorza did not go to the kickoff announcement, blah, blah, blah. But what stuck out to me was she basically was saying, you know, now that we have him in place, actually, he starts February 20th. He still even starts. He needs a month to get ready. But I want to just finish and get this done. In three months, we want a new teacher's contract with Providence. Now we have the, the uh, pieces in place that we're going to start to turn things around. I'd like to know what you think of her idea of, of getting a, um, a new contract in three months and about the new education, the uh, new Providence superintendent. Well, I, I think, I mean, so far we have very little information about him. Uh, I've, I've said in the past that um, some sliver, sliver of hope, maybe, because he, he knows how things are done differently in Florida, so maybe he'll know some of the tools. They've got a lot more school choice there, for example. Uh, so he'll know some of those tools that are in their box that aren't in ours up here. Uh, but the, the pay is a lot, and it, it, I think it points to an interesting an interesting problem we have here. So th- the market rate, I mean, he's still paid below most of his peers in the area. Uh, and th- so that's kind of a market rate for superintendents. But I think Rhode Islanders would be rightfully uh, rightfully angry to see a, a much bigger uh, paycheck coming to this guy. I mean, every year we get the, the top, you know, the, the government employees who make over 100,000 list out there. And people are rightly very keep a close watch on that uh, but at the same time you do have to attract talent i think and i think the other part of that that's key is you pay that money to get a result uh so if if you're paying you know it'll he'll be well worth every penny and the bonuses and the moving stipend and all that stuff will be worth every penny if he forcefully helps to get a good contract and to impose on providence some of the things that the district really needs that is if he does his job he talks about earning rhode islanders trust well he has to earn his money too so if that's what we're buying it'll be it'll prove to be worthwhile the the setting up the contract is an early test of that it's going to be very interesting because obviously one of the big one of the groups that will make a lot of noise of his pay is the union talking about how highly paid he is, how low paid teachers are, all that kind of stuff. So if, if we see this, it's going to be, we've been waiting for this for months already, uh, but if we see Infante Green and Harrison Peters coming out swinging, really grabbing this contract and making it something that, that's kind of revolutionary for our labor contract in Rhode Island, it'll be worth it. I'm not especially optimistic about that, but I, I really do hope that they try and at least give us the lesson of what that looks like when people try to get a good contract. Justin, do you think when people are going to sit down in these situations, what you've experienced and just other times observing things, do you think that the people on the side of, quote, the taxpayer and whether it's a city or town, I always get the feeling, I'd like to know what you think, but many times they, they actually, they don't know what they're walking into. And, and it's afterwards that once they start going through it, number one, they say they never want to do it again. But the, I think they they just underestimate the gamesmanship, the political um, professional negotiators. You know, Mary Beth Calabro says everything is on the table. Since this whole thing has broken, meaning um, 
you know, the John Hopkins report, just how bad the Providence schools are. You haven't heard one element of it. I have not from her in the union, not one part of accountability. Um, when they stormed in and shut down Alors' State of the City address, uh, completely unapologetic. Uh, the way she's described to me of someone in the know is she is the implementer. They call someone that I know who's has a lot of information and, and um, well-versed in the whole thing. They said, you know, it's tough dealing with a Mary Beth Calabro because she, they call her like a robot. She goes in. She has no decision-making capability. She is there to execute what she's being instructed to do. It was even described for me like, you know, picture they said like a football game where the people calling the booth, right, that the real top union people, they're up in the booth. She's the quarterback down on the field. She's basically, you know, trying to execute what they're calling down, but she she doesn't have the right to call her own play. But you're not fully, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz and the man behind the curtain. You're not really dealing with the decision maker. So she goes in with these outrageous demands. There's no acknowledgement that the system's not working. And I spoke with someone over the weekend, and I was asking about this new teacher contract, and they laughed when they said, you know, Afonte Green said she'd like to get this done in, in, uh, in three months. But this person who works in the system told me, um, <clears throat> even accused me about being naive, saying, you know, okay, so the John Hopkins report came out, and let's look at the result. No one was fired. It's impossible to fire anybody. No one made any less money. No one got any less vacation. As bad as that John Hopkins report was, which illustrated a complete failure from top to bottom of a school system. Education nightmare, it was described. Despite that, there was not one negative ramification for anyone involved in that system. Well, that's that's where the six-figure new employees are going to have to earn their job. They're going to have to earn their money. They're going to have to get families and Rhode Islanders and parents and students on their side and really push back. And you're right, the, the, whole, the negotiation of contracts in Rhode Island is it's really a, a more of a performance than anything Manip- to manipulate the two or three people in a room who are accountable to voters and uh, there are different tacks sometimes they come in there and the, you get a Pat Crowley from the NEA doing a, a big screaming and dancing and throwing chairs performance other times you get the you know the robot where it's almost like the the person you're negotiating with is what's his name Howie Mantel on who wants to be a millionaire okay let me call up the banker and see what he'll give you I, I think that that's another another model they use to create distance and that way the local union teacher can sit there and say oh I know this is a I'm no, I don't know why they're asking for this let me go back and find out it, it's it's sort of like when you buy a car and and your salesman keeps having to go to his boss somewhere to ask even little questions. It's, yep. it's to create that space between you and the person you're negotiating with. And it's, it's just a tactic. And so you get the you get elected people in there who either they're, I mean, they're very often well-meaning local residents, especially in the smaller towns. Uh, sometimes they're retired teachers giving back or teachers who work in another district giving back to their union. Um, so they walk in and they, they don't know what they're in for. Presumably the superintendents are there and have the have some knowledge of how that works. A lot of the question you then get is whether the superintendent brings along those elected officials and says, here's, here's what they're doing and here's what we have to do against it. Uh, and sometimes you, you don't get that because the superintendents are on, on the other side, so to speak. So that's, that's where we're going to see. If, if, uh, if this superintendent and this uh, education commissioner really come in there, there could be 
the Johns Hopkins report, all this stuff should give them leverage. Um, and it's that's really going to be the test. Uh, and to go back to the, the, our last segment, the the they shouldn't have all that much confidence that the governor's got their back. But even so, they should they should take it as their role to turn Providence schools around. And it's gonna it's gonna be painful for them to do that. But that's supposed to be what we're we're paying them so much for. Right. And I. I to their credit, I mean, I think Afonte Green, she's certainly trying. She's got someone that at least she will have her team on the field. But when you hear someone like a Calabra, where they're completely unapologetic, they don't see giving any type of demands. With them, it's all about money. The only thing she kept saying during uh, the aftermath of the John Hopkins report was, you need to fund the schools, and we need better conditions, and we need better pay, and da-da-da. They're going to hang this guy getting 225 they're going to hang that around his neck. Oh, yeah, he's getting all the money. If they smell there's more money, they want more money. There's never enough money. If you said to them, here's a blank check, fill out the amount, the, the union now, that you want for education, they would say, it better just, why don't we just leave it a blank check? Because that's what it becomes. There's, there's never enough money. If you told them, we're going to give you $1 billion, they'd say, we want $1 billion five, And then they'd want, it, it just, it's never enough. It's all gamesmanship. Um, Calabro, you're... you're you know, these people, they, they, they act like they're big negotiators. You're, you're negotiating from a position of a monopoly. You're negotiating with complete strength. And on top of that, <clears throat> with the, the evergreen forever contract law that Governor Mundo set in, that gives them even more leverage. But I, I just, I think... There's an element of um, where you're new and you have unabashed enthusiasm because you're new and you don't just throw the towel in. There's, there's, a, there's a fine line between that and just, to me, being naive as to what you're dealing with. And I, in Providence, for so long, they have been used to getting their way and they've dealt with some tough situations. They hit back hard. You know, you had Mayor Angel Tavares, he gave them all pink slips and then as a result of that they the union ran clay pale clay pell against him in the primary which he would have beat governor mundo you had uh a lord's uh, they had a new contract they wanted another new contract he wouldn't give them the new contract so they started to shut down everywhere he went they start to follow you and interrupt and if they set up a picket line other people start to say we're not gonna cross a picket line blah 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 like it it's it's let the games begin and and I don't I'll believe it when I see it. I will believe because to me, it ultimately Justin Katz comes down to control. I've talked to different people and they'll tell you the same thing. It's impossible to fire a teacher in Providence. It's impossible. The union contact is so strong when you can't fire anyone. It changes the whole dynamic because then there's no accountability for how the teachers perform. So I'll give you the last word on it. And then I want to talk about IGT and Twin River. Well, the, the quick summary, the other week I, uh, I went to a school choice event in Cranston at the Park Theater to watch this movie Miss Virginia, which is about a, a, the woman who organized in Washington, D.C. to get school choice for the kids there. And she went door to door throughout her the whole city trying to get parents to sign this thing. I'll believe there's, there's a chance for change 
when I see it, but what I want to see is parents and others coming forward and showing that they'll support this. That's what has to happen. And if, if the governor had any integrity, she wouldn't be organizing against Trump in Arizona. She'd be in Providence organizing parents to support her team. That's what needs to happen. If we see that, it will. If not, then it's going to be a test of the, the integrity of the commissioner and the superintendent. But ultimately, they'll, they'll probably fail if they can't get that kind of support. Yeah, and the, just the fact that Ramundo will be alongside some of the heads of these teachers unions. In this case, it's going to be AFT. Um, I can't imagine Ramundo wants to be in a situation where a Randy Weingarten is saying to her, hey, you know, Governor, what's what's going on with your education commissioner and that superintendent of Providence? We're not, are, are they kidding with what they're offering and blah, blah, blah? I just, I don't see it. I want to jump ahead. Last week, there had been all that talk over the summer and into the fall about the IGT Twin River and the battle and Brett Smiley, Justin Katz, on whether or not he actually, I think he did commit extortion against uh, Mark Christofoli of, of Twin River. The battle over the contract, the extension, and then suddenly um, somebody comes up with the idea, why don't we if you can't beat them, join them. Why don't we bring Twin River into the fold, and we're going to have this new partnership, and we're going to make the whole thing go away. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think Steve Price put it well. He said, you know, this doesn't become automatically a good deal just because they teamed up. And I, so it's it's kind of disappointing. I think we, we got some some evidence of what it, how good government can happen when Twin River and IGT were competing, and they were, they were separate. Political, uh, politically active private entities pushing for their own interests. It was creating friction. It was good. It was making people pay attention. Now they've come together and said, oh, we'll work together <laughs> with the state, obviously, and we'll just be a, an even bigger special interest. Um, I, I think the, our representatives at the state level really just need to take 20-year contracts off the table. Say, look, it's great that you guys are working together, and, and I, I, we look forward to working with you to compete with Encore Boston, uh, the harbor, the casino up there. We look forward to helping to, to do that. The bigger entity might help to do that, but the 20 years is off the table. We have to watch out for our own interests, and that's that's the that's the concern here. So you, you've seen a lot of things, and even the governor uh, seems a little bit wary of some of it, uh, which which is to her credit. You know, the, the idea that suddenly Twin River is good with the 20-year contract, suddenly they're good with not going out to bid. Uh, suddenly they're good with 100% IGT machines on the floor where before they were saying we need diversity of our machines. So I, it seems like it's not, it's not going to serve Rhode Island very well in the long run. Uh, and, and hopefully, I mean, that, that they're saying that the, the legislature's signaled initial support, but ho- hopefully we can, we can, somebody will advocate for, for that harder line for Rhode Islanders. How about the fact, here's the headline, IGT gave 275000 to the Democrat Government Association. Among the controversy, IGT donated two seventy-five to the Democrat Government Association, while Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo cheered the group and Don Schweitzer was the treasurer. So two seventy-five, and then when you go inside that, Justin Katz, see if some of these things sound uh, names sound familiar, and I think we can even tie what was the benefit they got of it, got out of the whole thing. One of the some of the notable contributions now, as Ramundo, head of the, um, because of uh, more than a quarter million of the record-breaking forty-three point five million they raised on Ramundo's watch, came from the gambling industry. But some of the other donors, NEA, Fund for Children Public Education, they donated one hundred fifty thousand. Well. You have the forever contract situation. You have, how about this? Um, 
Remember, the NEA Fund for Children Public Education donated 150 to the DGA. The N National Education Association, 50,000. So that's really 200,000. How about Deloitte, 90,000. That's the whole UHIP fiasco. And then the Laborers Political League, they donated 350,000. They have been getting all of the money from all the road, the, uh, the road and bridge construction, even though Department of Transportation they um, they miscalculated on their forecast for it by fifty four million dollars. Well, yeah, I mean it's 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 a pay to play state in, in many ways. I mean that's the, the money just flows around, and then so we're, what we're learning with the IGT Twin River joining forces is at first Twin River seemed to say let's let's try to compete with that. So well, they started giving money, and, and that was in some ways good because it drew attention to this is how this is how crass. The whole thing is how it's, if you want a seat at the table, you have to give money. And so now they've just joined forces and said, let's be cronies together. Uh, so the, the, it, there's not much good to say about how this whole process has gone down. And, and the idea that, that the governor, wherever she goes, is collecting these kinds of, of donations from groups that she has to work with as governor really just says all you need to know about, about how corrupt our, our, just our system is itself. I think you're right, Justin. And then finally, let's get to, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com. The uh, saga continues with Speaker Mattiello. And, and anyone that didn't think that, you know, this was uh, a serious probe in, in any way, I mean, they have not only talked with people at the convention center, more people than people realize. They've also talked to some of the inner circle of the speaker. When we spoke you know, last week, you had the whole situation where it was then, uh, you know, that they were throwing things out in the mold and, and they were trying to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a, a situation with mold. And he, he, the speaker seemingly feels that he's gotten his talking points down because then he did give two interviews to the Providence Journal twice last week where he's, he's, he's painting this different picture that his friend Jim Demers, who worked there, came to him. That he had gone almost like a whistleblower to the officials at the convention center. He had a list of financial things that he thought was wrong. Presented it to Mattiello. Mattiello said, hey, let's look into this. And then he found out that maybe there were some things he didn't know. So then he called it off. He, he seems to feel he's got the talking points down. I'm not convinced of that. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, just where you think things stand or what has stood out to you, I should say regarding this whole situation with the speaker in the convention center well regardless of whether whether they're true or not i think he, he has found politically a good position with his talking points i mean it's it's hard for rhode islanders to pick a side in this this battle of, of corruption i mean it, it, you're also talking about a state where, where buddy Sancy remains a, a dominating figure in our local mythology and people do have the sense that look you're in a corrupt situation you're going to need people who are your friends and you that you can trust and so it's, it's plausible to them that demers would go to him and say hey you know I'm, I'm your buddy here's what i'm seeing and he would say oh yeah the republicans have been calling for an audit let's do that that's plausible i thought it was, i think it's funny that even in within his talking points he called off the dogs when his other friend who's on the board of the convention center called him up and said no there's another side to this story uh the i guess the the overarching apart from the corruption the overarching lesson is just transparency all this stuff we we shouldn't be having government by by 
who can call the speaker and, and get information into his ear. It ought to be completely transparent, and it's a good argument for ending the practice of these quasi-public organizations. For the, but for the moment, as far as my opinion, I'm, I'm going to withhold some judgment because I think the, the, the speaker is operating within a situation of just endemic corruption. Whenever, every, whenever, every now and then you'll get a, a journalist who researches and says, you know what, you know, by the number of arrests, Rhode Island really isn't all that corrupt. So we're really just hard to harden ourselves. The problem is we've, we've made so much of that corruption part of our system and therefore legal. And I, so that's the one reason to, to withhold judgment here. And we'll see. If, if something does come of it, we'll, we'll know. If nothing comes of it, then it's, it's just another you know, a bunch of two factions, multiple factions, all trying to work their own angles in the back rooms at that Rhode Island fosters, which isn't which isn't healthy all around. You wrote a good piece, though, that, uh, you know, both sides could be right. Both sides could be right saying, hey, he he ordered that a retaliation. But at the same time, how come it takes a situation like this to to get, you know, to, to the bottom of get some answers? I still believe, though, that what remains an unknown is uh, what what seems to be needed. And, and a couple things on this. When Mattiello and, and I have this down and I, I'm going to. From what I understand, it was all collaborated with the, the state police. And that is that said to someone, if they make a move on Demers, I'm going to stick an enema and so forth. He can, he can deny it, but he's denied other things that he had said to groups. He, he denied he took a very heavy-handed approach to the Paw Sox. And you had witnesses in the room that heard him you know, talking the way he talked. But it's my understanding that basically when he was ordering that audit, for them to hire an outside company, which they would, and have to do it, it's about a cost of $50,000. Now, no one has talked about that, but so it's not like his first um, response was, well, you know, if they're doing a great job, they shouldn't be afraid of an audit and so forth, where, you know, there is a cost. There's a monetary value of um, if you do the following, I'm going to order this, and then you're going to, it's almost like a fine. And, and that kind of plays into the the criminal part, but... Um, but they are, without question, Justin, this, this whole business of how this, quote, you know, JCLS operates. And it's, it's, it's a huge amount of money with no accountability. And it's a favor factory and everything is built into that. But it's, it's also, I, I, I know some people say, oh, it's Rhode Island. He'll just get away with it. What can't be ignored was last Monday night, the state police showed up. At the Rhode Island State House, when there was a report, they get a call and a tip that things were being thrown out, and that even Larry Berman, the spokesperson, he has confirmed for Channel 12 that Frank Montanaro, who's the head of the JCLS, who's Mattiello's right-hand guy, that he he was, in fact, interviewed by the state police. So my point is, this is not one of those people just wonder, hey, if anyone's going to do anything. They're definitely looking into it. Oh yeah, and that's that's how I'm, I'm. I'm pretty confident we'll we'll know. And if it goes away, the likelihood is there was no there there. Uh, but at, to your point on on transparency and everybody ought to. Yes, we ought to do an audit. Yes, we ought to look into whether the speaker did something appropriately. I mean that that's just absolutely clear. And I I, I kind of hope the reporters, some reporter, uh, hopefully with a lot of money behind him, like the Promise Journal, is going requesting that list the speaker says he has of all the problems with the convention center and it, that that really points to what ought to have been done in his appropriate role as speaker of the house is to say okay this is concerning i'm going to call a special legislative commission to investigate 
here's my list of the problems that were spoken of. That's how it ought to have been done. But they have created this JCLS, which is, I mean, if, if you look into the past, it's, it's hard to get numbers, but there's very frequently family members of legislators slip through there as employees. It's almost like a little executive branch for the legislature, which which I guess you could argue is, is good to have some competing, uh, competing auditors, so to speak. But... Uh, the legislature is supposed to look into these things through legislation and an oversight capacity. That when you do it that way, you guarantee public public visibility into what's happening. Not calling, you know, calling for a, a secret audit or, or an additional audit that's called for outside of the scope of the speaker. To, to apparent from, if you, if you can understand what the the House Minority Leader is saying, is he should have had a say. The whole JCLS governing board should have had a say of. Uh, on an audit instead of it just being the speaker's little little plaything. That's where all of this starts. To, I mean, it, it just breaks down into this mush of corruption that just our system fosters. That's, that really needs to end. And if, if something comes of this, maybe we'll start to see some change into that, to that regard, although maybe we'll also see somebody even worse take the speaker's chair. Um, Justin Katz, before I let you go, and again, folks, it's Justin Katz. Our segment is Political Monday. How about the fact that even though you had state police at the state house, and they were obviously, they, we went back on Tuesday, and they wanted to see and make sure, and they were investigating what Mattiello or seemingly people from the JLS and their office were throwing out. And then, you know, on Thursday, you get confirmation that state police did interview his top top guy, his right-hand guy. I mean, his two top people are Leo Skenyon's the chief of staff, but Montanaro's like his right-hand guy that controls the G, uh, JCLS. And yet, in the midst of all that, on Thursday night, the speaker has his, quote, time, first fundraiser of the season, and it's not much of a fundraiser. He stands at the door. He says, thank you for coming. He accepts your check, and everybody lines up like minions. And it is, you know, it's, 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 it's not a fundraiser the way people think of like people are going to get some people together and blah 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 it is automatic if you do business with the state if you do business with the house if you are uh, a lobbyist or you're a house representative or the other they all line up dignitaries they hand over their check they they pay their tribute to the speaker in a sense and then the biggest headline was Ramundo announced you know almost trying to sound brave like well this year I'm not going because I don't agree with him <laughs> yeah, the, those fundraisers, it's, I think we've used the analogy last year or the year before the, of in the, the beginning of the very first Godfather movie where everybody's going to the wedding. Here's my check. Here's my check. Um, I, I part of a local pack here in Tiverton, and I, I checked our mailbox the other day, and there was an invitation, and cordially invited to Senate President Ruggiero's fundraiser donation, $200. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's you get a message when you're getting those things in the mail like that, and it, it bears out in who gets their way. It's, it's really competing special interests rather than the interests of the public. Folks, he is the managing editor for OceanStateCurrent.com. He is Justin Cass. Justin, great job. Uh, before I let you go, just any prediction on Iowa tonight? Uh, no, I, 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 I don't. I, I think the, the Democrat Party is going way left, uh, and I, 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 what I'm expecting we'll see is a lot of support for Bernie Sanders and a lot of insiders trying to find some way to, to tackle that. Um, 
But I think, to me, the biggest thing is, I read an article today about how President Trump had the biggest rally in the state, and he doesn't even really need to be there because right. he has no competition in the primary. Um, I think that's that's going to be the bigger story, and it's probably the story that we would be hearing the most about if if the parties were reversed. I think you're right. Justin, great job, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Look forward to it. All right, folks, there it is. Um, Justin Katz joining us. Right here on the John DePietro Show. All right, with that, 766-1380, we'll open up the phone lines to you. Tonight is a big night. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan, 401-766-1380. You can email me. It's john at dipetro.com, john at dipetro.com. Let me say uh, good afternoon. I see Frank. Uh, there's Wendy. Hi there, Wendy. Uh, and Kevin. And Ola, Joe Roberts, and Wolf, of course, and uh, Pat. I'll tell you, I agree. Uh, th- this is a major problem. They're going to be knocking. This will be interesting to watch tonight. And I mentioned it earlier. I'll see if I can find some sound. Now, a lot of people may not be fan a fan of, um, and again, folks, phone lines are open, 766-1380. You can email me, john at com. Some of the email. Uh, no one has found anything wrong. He didn't say his son did nothing wrong. He said no one's found anything that was wrong. Maybe we should look a little closer, talking about Biden. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. But I was struck this morning. On Morning Joe. Now, you may not like Chris Matthews. And I admit sometimes, I I find some of these people, it's difficult to watch because they they just, it is real. Trump derangement syndrome is real. And they have it. So, um, I, I, I find it sometimes difficult to even watch it. But this morning, on Morning Joe... Chris Matthews, and I recognize maybe a lot of people don't like him, but I, I have watched him for a long time, and it is now I'm seeing that it's trending. Here is good. I found the sound of it. He absolutely lays out Bernie Sanders, and he is very knowledgeable about politics, Chris Matthews. He is. And I know the show, a big part of the show has become about uh, just how much he hates the president and everything else. But this morning, even Joe Scarborough was uncomfortable. With how much Matthews absolutely lays out Bernie Sanders. And he is saying this in Iowa as Bernie Sanders. And he is predicting 100% Bernie Sanders is going to win the Iowa caucus tonight. So let me play for you. This is pretty good. This is Chris Matthews this morning on Morning Joe. Joe Scarborough, Mika, so forth. And and listen to the way he lays out Bernie Sanders. Hold on. History. I think he does revolution, you know, you're from inside the beltway, you know, but inside the beltway is where they pass the tax laws. And I still want to know how he's getting the 60 votes for all this stuff in the U.S. Senate. You know, they're not burning. Yeah. Where's he going to get 60 votes? He never talks about reality. It takes 60 votes for a new program. It takes at least a majority to change tax structure. And and the, Ted Kennedy was still around. They gave us 60 votes. So after that, we had to do it through, through, through recon, uh, reconciliation. There's rules. And Bernie's never passed anything. He's never done anything. And now he's coming I'm going to do all this stuff. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, now. Who does that I'm sell? sorry. He, he's never. Before somebody tells you what they're going to do, ask him what they've done. Boy, that is strong. Was he done? He's going to do these things. Matthews imitating him. That is exactly right. They are non-negotiable. Bernie Sanders, they will not negotiate with anyone. You, you can't have a conversation with them. Let me see if there's more on that. Boy, I really like that. I was, uh, I perked up as I was listening to this. Because normally, and, and the Morning Joe people, were they were thrown by it. Let me see if they posted his audio. 
and they are knocking Iowa, and this whole system is outdated, and you're just going to get retirees, and you're going to get students, and, you know, they have to get rid of this whole thing with the caucuses, and people need to be able to go in and vote privately. Morning, Joe. I do not see them posting the audio of Chris Matthews, who completely laid out Bernie Sanders. It was... um. It was pretty telling. Let me just check in one more spot if somebody uh, loaded some of this. And, and he's not wrong. When you have John Kerry saying he may jump in. And Hillary, someone asked me about if I still think um, Hillary might jump in. She, she is saying that. Um, she still has the urge to run. I, I believe, hold on. All right, so he's been attacking him for a while, but I just wanted to see if there was anything uh, recent on uh, Chris Matthews and Bernie Sanders, if they had any of his sound of this morning. Well, not that I see. I'll try to locate it, folks. Um, but there, there's there's no element of, um, they, they're not supporting Bloomberg. I, I, I think, here's what I think, is Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. I think he is. And his people, they're, they're prepared to fight. And they will fight. And you can't reason with them. They're not going to support Bloomberg. They're not going to stand by, and I'm not saying they should, but they're certainly not going to stand by and watch someone like Hillary or John Kerry. They recognize Biden can't get it over the finish line. And they're not going to go with Bloomberg. So I think this is going to head... To a contested uh, convention. And I think th- there's no way to avoid it. They think they're united. They un- they're not united. Um, they are not on the same page. And they're going to get frustrated. And, and if they steal the nomination from Bernie, he may go third party. And his people will go with him. If they don't steal it, people like Raimondo and John Kerry and Biden and Mike Bloomberg, they're not going to support Bernie Sanders. It's not happening. So, but this business, and I'm glad Justin mentioned it, this business, Governor Raimondo is basically going to be out of state in these battleground states campaigning to try to raise money against President Trump. What an absolute disgrace. She shouldn't be anywhere. We have too many things. She has too many things to fix around here before she starts trotting around and going different places to try to raise money for people. That is unacceptable. How she thinks, this attitude she has of like, hey, job done, mission accomplished, I did it. She hasn't done anything. And as I mentioned to Justin, on the, the groups that are raising money that she's going to be part of, there's not one CEO in the bunch. It is union through and through. Taxpayer-funded, public sector union people, period. End of story. Not one job creator in the bunch. All right, 766-1380. You know, I also wanted to mention, it's funny, that that head of the Providence Teachers Union, who's supposedly going to be on the front lines negotiating this contract, this Mary Beth Calabro, she got jammed up because she made up the story that the Pilgrim players, remember that Pilgrim High School? She made it up, fabricated that these kids were using racist names and the N-word against players from Unpleasant Girls Basketball, all fabricated. Mary Beth Calabro likes to say her, her favorite person that she loves is Tom Brady. What I just find interesting about that is you, you couldn't find two people with occupations more different 
than Brady, who is in the ultimate competitive sport. Everything, all compensation is based on performance. If you don't perform, you are cut from the team. If you don't perform, you don't start even if you're on the team. If you don't perform, someone else is ready to take your slot. Nothing more competitive than professional sports. The ultimate, what have you done for me lately? No one says, hey, well, you know, he got you know, two touchdowns, three touchdowns last game. Doesn't matter. No matter what record you said, there's nothing more competitive compared with Calabro. There's nothing incentive. Brady's entire, con- most of his contract this past season was incentivized. There's nothing incentivized under the world of the union people and Mary Beth Calabro. Zero. They have the worst school system, one of the worst school systems in the country that make the same amount of money. You're the worst teacher, you make just as much as a good teacher. You're out 30, 25 sick days, 30 sick days, you get the same as this person. John Hopkins report comes out, one of the worst school systems in the country, no one makes a dime less. It is just comical to me. They don't even see. Tom Brady lives in a world completely based, performance-based, incentive-based, the ultimate of competition. What have you done for me lately? The union people live in a completely socialist, communist world. Where there's nothing on performance. There's no, there's no performance one way or the other. You're the best school system. Can you imagine the Providence schools where their entire deal was incentive-based? Unless you're one of the top school systems, you don't get this amount of money. How about that? You like Tom Brady? Let's, let's make your pay incentivized like him instead of the way that it is, which is it, it doesn't matter. They don't care one way or the other. Could be the best, could be the worst. Doesn't affect them. All right, folks, I want to remind you about when you want to talk about the best, you want to talk about MEGA, MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801, MEGA professionals. What can they help you with? Well, if you need staffing, workers, drivers, workers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, local, sleep at home, drivers, class, EBL, AB, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, Skilled labor, office professionals, healthcare workers, call MEGA professionals today. They'll help you. MEGA professionals, they'll help you with the staffing that you need for your business. 508 336 7801. 508 336 7801, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA professionals. Folks, it's John DePietro. We're going to open up the phone lines to you. Open line for the next hour. You want to talk about the president? You want to talk about the halftime show? You want to talk about, I thought it was embarrassing what Brady did to the fans. I really do. I thought it was really embarrassing that he just keeps playing people along. And the people that fell for it. Oh, look, he's coming back. He's not coming back. He's leaving. He is leaving. 776-1380. Also the latest on Mattiello. And also a very significant figure in Rhode Island corruption died over the weekend. We're going to tell you about it next. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. 
call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. If you are ever in an accident, don't panic. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body. Were you in an accident over the weekend? Maybe someone damaged your vehicle or a family member or someone you work with. If anyone ever damages your vehicle and you need to get it fixed, four words, West Fountain Auto Body. They'll repair it, showroom-like condition, get you back on the road in no time. West Fountain. Call them today, 401-272-3340. 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body. Remember, they're going to work for you not the insurance company. If you ever find yourself in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. Located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They're right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. You can depend on West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 272-3340, 272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body. You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. Folks, we're back on this Monday. This portion of the program brought to you by Nega Logistics. For your business, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, call Nega Logistics today, 401-431-2300. Nega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods. Third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. Call MEGA Logistics today. 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300 for MEGA Logistics. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Uh, phone lines are open. Next hour, full open line, 766-1380, 766-1380. I saw that over the weekend, and the Providence Journal had it, and it is that um, Ralph Perry, ex, remember RIMFAC, what a huge story that was. Ralph Perry of RIMFAC, he was the director of the Rhode Island Housing and Mortgage Finance Corporation. Ralph Perry passed away 93 years old from Smithfield in 1987, pled no contest to embezzlement charges and destroying evidence on illegal mortgages. Now, that rim fact, that was such a huge deal where we learned the insider corruption of who was getting these ridiculous uh, low-interest loans program under RIMFAC. A real insider deal, but Ralph Parry, ex-RIMFAC director, convicted of embezzling in the mid-'80s. That was such a huge story. He passed away over the weekend. Folks, the Power Hour is next. It's John DePietro. Stay with us. The latest on the Convention Center, Mattiello, and also... Iowa, big night tonight. We'll take your phone calls and talk about it. Power hours next. Leave it right here.